0: Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, if you're there, say amen. Amen. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us, oh, that's a big word, into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God. What's that saying? It's the only God you'll ever lay an eyeball on. He is the literal image of the invisible God. Do you think God is going to show himself and show his image as a second person? Or is he really the image of the invisible God? I believe the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob put on a coat of flesh, and we beheld him. And Jesus is that image. Amen? Amen? Now, he is the firstborn of every creature. Now, we're talking about Jesus Christ right here. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, and the invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities. He's talking about angelic beings and, and hosts and things in the spirit world, powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in, somebody say those two words with me right there. That in all things he might have preeminence for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. I would like to draw my text tonight from the 18th verse, if I may, that he might have preeminence. And I want to talk to you this evening from as simple of a subject as you have ever heard. But I want to preach to you tonight about staying in love with Jesus. All right. Staying in love with Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. You may be seated in Jesus' name. I don't know how preachy I'm going to be tonight, but I have felt such a strong, strong burden in my heart today. Um, I spent the afternoon in the sanctuary today just talking to the Lord. And uh, there's so many things that are vying for your attention. So many things that are pulling you in several directions. And uh, it doesn't take a whole lot to get distracted in this day and time that we live in. I've had to change some habits in my life to be extremely intentional about the time that I spend with God. And leaving my phone in another room. Turning it on Do not disturb mode because just about the time that you try to break into the Lord's presence, somebody's going to text you. And and, uh, that's why I still kind of like this old leather bound book because I do have a Bible on my phone, but can't nobody text me on my Bible. It's the truth. You start trying to read the Bible on your phone as as the only source. Now I use my Bible on my phone on a daily basis. But it's not the source that I go to when I'm sitting down getting in the word of God. Because when you're in the middle of a chapter and somebody's texting you. Look, this is the biggest text message you'll ever get right here. That's that's quite a text right there, isn't it? 66 books of a text message that he's trying to tell you something. And it's hard for him to speak to you while other people are vying for your attention. And pulling for your attention. And. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae, which is honestly, uh, it doesn't get any better than this to me. I love the book of Colossians. Paul said to them, he said, I've never even, I've never even seen you face to face. You're disciples of the message that I'm preaching, but he said, I've, ne- I've never even been to your church. I've never, I'm the apostle of that church. I'm a covering for that church, but I've never been there. He said, but there's some things that I want to talk to you about. And and I want you to notice the power of what I'm saying to you right now. What Paul was teaching them about the preeminence of Christ was not because of what he observed in the church. He had never been there to observe the church. He wasn't looking at the church at Colossae on a Wednesday night and saying, well, I think you guys are too distracted. He knew the spirit of the age without ever having to see the people. Because you can't be so spiritual that you can't be distracted. Can I say that one more time? You cannot be so spiritual that you cannot be distracted. If you read the book of Revelation, and I've taught this for so long now that it just kind of becomes when you think along these thoughts, it just kind of rolls out of your mind that when John was in the spirit on the Lord's day and he was Hearing that voice behind him, I can't even imagine how thundering that voice was, the Alpha, the Omega. He said it was so loud, it was like a sound of a trumpet behind him. And man, he starts seeing seven vials and seven golden candlesticks and uh, a beast with seven heads and ten horns. You talk about being in the Spirit. He's in a deep place and he's literally in a conversation with an angel when all of a sudden he hears the hoof prints of of a horse riding up. And a woman riding on that horse. And it was the great whore, Babylon. And the Bible said that all of a sudden he looks away from the angel that he's talking to. And looks at this woman and he said, when I looked at her, he said, man, I looked at her with great admiration. Here I am in the spirit on the Lord's day and literally seeing visions of heaven and new Jerusalem coming down. But when the temptations of the world come riding up, I am distracted by her because she is so beautiful to me. Now, I'm telling you, this old world that we live in today is as beautiful as it's going to get. Woo! Could I get like three people to say amen? Amen. It's as beautiful as it's ever going to get, but here's what you need to know. It's as beautiful as it needs to be. Satan doesn't have any new tricks because he doesn't need any new tricks. (laughs) Satan's still getting people on the same pitch he struck them out with last time. He's using the same old tactics and the same old, I could not tell you, the last time that I sat down with somebody in my tenure as pastor and counseled with them in my office over something new they tried. Now, it may be the first time they've tried it and it's new, but if we're counseling again, it's something that they did before. It's the say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I'm struggling with what I struggled with last time we talked. Listen, this world is as pretty as it's ever going to get, but she's pretty enough. She is pretty enough to be a distraction even to the most spiritual who are among us. And Paul told the church at Colossae, he puts this beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, phraseology together and tells us that we have been delivered from the power of darkness, and we have been translated into the kingdom of his sonship, and we have redemption in him through his blood. He is the image of the invisible God. Listen, how he's selling him. He is selling him as the redeemer, as the power of deliverance. He's selling him as the image. And image is something you look at. What's he saying? He's the image. He's saying, Keep your eyes on him. Keep watching him. You got to keep your eyes on the image. He is a beautiful image. You've got to keep your eye on the image. This is, not, this is not just some other kind of God. This, this, this is not your average Joe. This is a man that he is the image of the invisible God. And all things were created by him. The things that you see and the things that you don't see. Everything was created by him. He said, but I want you to understand that he is before all things. And by him all things consist. He is the head of the church and the firstborn from the dead. That he in, somebody shout all things. all things. In all things might have preeminence. This word preeminence is, oh, it is so rich. But if you were to break that, that word down, what it really means uh, in, in definition very simply is to be first and to hold first place. It's not just to be first. It's to hold first place. Because it's easy to move him out of first place. What's the most important commandment, Jesus? They asked him. Tell us. What is it? What's the most important commandment? He said, love God. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor. But the truth of the, of the matter is, in our flesh, we get those two mixed around. Jesus said he's got to have preeminence. The most important commandment is that God has preeminence, that he holds first place. But if you ever love your neighbor more than you love God, then you'll move God out of his place of preeminence and you'll start loving the things of your neighbor or the things of your fellow man. He said you got to be careful that your love for fellow man doesn't ever supersede or exceed your love for God. I'm here to preach to you tonight that if he is not Lord of everything in your life, then he's not Lord of anything in your life. He's not Lord of everything, then He's not Lord of anything. I wish we could get that in our hearts tonight. We've got to learn to value the power of His preeminence in our lives. He said that we had been translated from the power, been delivered from the power of darkness And translated into the kingdom. Are you with me? I want somebody to shout this with me tonight. I have been delivered from the power of darkness. Are you convinced? I have been delivered from the power of darkness. And when I was delivered from the power of darkness... I was translated, literally moved from the power of darkness into the kingdom of his sonship where redemption and deliverance rule and reign there. Now in John chapter 3, if you would join me in John chapter 3 tonight, John chapter 3 and verse number 19, I'd like to read this to you if I could this evening. John chapter 3 and verse number 19. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. Stay with me right here now. And men loved. He said, This is the condemnation. The light came into the world, but men loved darkness. More than they loved light because their deeds were evil. Do you know why the light had no power and no significance in their lives? It wasn't because his light was dim. It was because they loved darkness. I'm going to preach a fit hair lips every devil in this county tonight. Men loved darkness darkness. This is not your pastor preaching at you tonight. These are the words of Jesus Christ. He said I came the light came. How many of you believe he's the light? He said the light came but even the beauty of my light, even the glory of my light The Bible said in John chapter 1 that he was the light and the light came into the world and the darkness comprehended it not. Can I tell you tonight that the reason why men would reject the power of the light of Jesus is because they love the darkness that they're in. I think we need to play musical chairs tonight. We've been been delivered from the power of darkness. Now, stay with me right here. Now, Colossians, we've been delivered from the power of darkness. In other words, darkness can't hold you if you don't want to be there. Darkness has no power in you when you've been translated to the kingdom of of his sonship. So if I am still in darkness, it's because I love the darkness. Do you know why people are refusing? to preach the kind of light of the gospel like they used to. Do you know why we've got preachers who are excusing holiness out of their pulpits and off of their platforms and out of their leadership and they're saying, we're not going to preach what we used to preach anymore because it was over the top. Let me just get to the short uh, cut to the chase right here and tell you tonight. It's because people are falling in love with darkness. It's not because God has changed his mind. It's because preachers Have become carnal. And saints have become carnal. And they're pushing against their pastors. And their pastors are saying look. I would rather not fight this conviction anymore. I'd rather not have to carry this weight anymore. And they fall in love with darkness. It's one thing for darkness to come into the church. And we can expel that darkness. But it's another thing for darkness to be invited. Woo. I get, I, I, I get, I get frustrated when I see the spirit of compromise and how the spirit of compromise works. You know, some can say it's because they got new revelation, and I've, I've heard it a thousand times. And it, it got on me one day when, when I got to thinking about this. And I'm going to let you in a little bit on, on kind of my story here. Maybe this is a little bit, a little bit too personal. But uh, I, had a, I had a personal frustration that it literally drove me insane. Because I would, I, I would be in conversation with these people that had left this truth. And they would say things to me like this, Bishop. Man, I preach it as strong as I've ever preached it. Have you heard it? They say things like, oh, we believe it as strong as we've ever believed it. And it, and it, would, it would honestly upset me. It would make me mad. I'm like, how can you say that I believe it as strong as I've ever believed it and never preach it? Right? And so I got upset one day and, 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 and I, I was like, well, God, that frustrates me when I hear them talk like that and they're lying on you and whatever. And the Holy Spirit checked me. He said, they're not lying on me. He said, they believe what they're telling you because I let them believe it. I said, I said do what? And the Lord took me to 2 Thessalonians, 2, Thessal- 2 Thessalonians. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 10. 2 Thessalonians 2 and 10. Let's walk through this together. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they received not the love. Somebody shout it. Of the truth. That they might be saved. This is not, this is not the truth of the gospel alone. This word in the Greek truth means whatever is true in any matter. Why why is that powerful? Because it's not just talking about things that are line, chapter, and verse. It's talking about things that are true. And I want to tell you tonight that there are some convictions that God has put in his church that you may not have a chapter, line, and verse for, but it's still true that it's good for you and it's good for your family. Let me preach to you tonight. There are some things that are not going to be listed in the Word of God because they didn't exist when the Word of God was written. And that's why we have the Holy Ghost. And that's why we have a pastor. And that's why we learn the value of righteousness. The only reason that someone would discard righteousness is because they love darkness. That's it said, because they didn't receive love of the truth, that they might be saved. Go ahead, verse 11. I love this right here. It scares me to death, but I love this opening line. And for this cause, what cause? They didn't receive. Do you, do you understand that? I've heard that quoted so many times in my life because they had not a love for That's not what it says. It said they didn't receive. How do you receive something? Because it's presented and you either choose to embrace it or reject it. They, they didn't receive it. Woo. I don't like that. Why not? It's truth. I know, but it's contrary to me. And because they didn't receive a love for it, be, for that cause, because they wouldn't receive it, I don't think God cares about that. It surprised you. Because of that, it doesn't say that they're going to be they're going to be led astray by false teachers. Woo, 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 woo. When I was talking to the Lord about it that day, He was walking me through that. And there were some things going on, some 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 personal things that we were connected to, and and I was frustrated with it, and I, I said, God, I just I don't understand how this deception works. And, and he, he stopped me and he said, no, no, no. He said, you're, you're calling it deception, he said, but there's, there's two different things. I said, what, what do you mean? He said, there's deception and there's delusion. Okay, y'all with me? I won't run off and leave you right here. Deception comes from men. I can preach false doctrine and deceive you. And when I deceive you, then somebody can come along and say, that guy's an idiot. That is not the truth. And they can show you truth, and what you were deceived in can be fixed. The error of the ways can be fixed because you were deceived. But the Bible said that God would send them strong delusions. Deception can be lifted by men because men bring deception. Woo-wee. But the Lord smote my heart, and he said, when I've sent delusion, there ain't no man gonna pray it off. Here's a, can I tell you one of the scariest things that I've ever preached in my life? I hope y'all are buckled up. Do you know why revelation and delusion feel so similar? Because they have the same source. That's why people say, well, I got a new revelation. No, you don't. You got a fresh delusion. When you start escaping the essential doctrines of the word of God. And listen, listen. I I know how this line goes. Well... It's not that we don't love the doctrine anymore. We just don't. We don't believe what you call holiness is right. Then why is it that when you start forsaking the things of holiness, that it's not long at all until you start forsaking doctrine? Can I tell you why? Because the spirit of compromise is never, ever satisfied, ever once you start compromising your heart, it will never be satisfied. And if the devil can convince you that separation from the world is not important, then he's already got to convince that separation from other doctrine is not important. And we're all in the same boat, loving the same God, headed to the same place, but we have a difference of opinion. But I'm standing as your shepherd tonight to tell you it is not just semantics. It is not just a matter of how you phrase it. You either love the truth or you refuse the truth. go back to verse 10 for me real quick I want to show you where deception comes from watch this with me please he said the deceivableness is from unrighteousness deception is from unrighteousness I know that's not the proper way of saying it but this is the King James Version he said it's the unrighteous things in humanity that bring deception deception You understand what I'm saying? That's how they're deceived. When they allow unrighteousness to have, whether whether it's paying free rent, uh, whether it's paying rent or living in there for free. He said when you allow things that are unrighteous, you start getting deceived. How does that happen? It happens one day at a time and one service at a time. Because you used to get convicted about it. But now we don't get convicted about it because we found a friend whose pastor said they can justify doing it. And as soon as we find somebody that justifies what we used to feel was unrighteous, now all of a sudden what used to be unrighteous has now become righteous. And I want to tell you, it was that same apostle who said, You just don't hold your breath because there's coming a day that men are going to call good evil and they're going to call evil good. But I'm here to tell you tonight, there's still a difference in righteousness and unrighteousness. And anyone who would call the unrighteous things of this earth Righteous, They've already been deceived. And if they don't learn to fall in love with truth, God is going to send a strong delusion. Now listen to this last phrase of verse 11. Why does the delusion come? Why does God send delusion, comma, That they should believe a lie. Now, I I, I teach this all the time to you that the scripture is explicit and implicit, right? So what is this implying then? That they should believe a lie. It means to them it has become truth. You follow what I'm saying? It's still a lie. But God let them believe it was true. Now this is not fear preaching tonight. I'm not here to scare you to death. And and, and I can tell you this. I've had people come to me before and say, Pastor, I'm afraid I've been turned over to a reprobate mind with tears flowing down their face. And I'm like, no, you haven't. Well, how do you know, Pastor? Well, because you're weeping with a repentant spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you what I do believe. I believe there is hope for someone who is delusional, even God sent delusion. I do believe that. And I believe that that hope is found in a moldable spirit. This is really hopeless because men can't lift it off of you. In other words, what I'm saying to you is if if God sends a strong delusion to you, you could sit and listen to me or a thousand others preach 365 days a year around the clock and still be deceived, still, still be delusional. Until someday you wake up and you say, something feels off. Where did I go wrong? And I'm telling you, there'd be people that would disagree with me tonight, and that's okay. I don't, that's that's fine if they want to disagree, but I'm just telling you where I stand on this, and this is this is kind of. Where, where and what I believe, I believe that until the trumpet sounds and you've got breath in your body, that there is always hope for you to come out. I'm going to tell you one of the unrighteous things, one of the most common unrighteous things that brings deception is a spirit of pride and arrogance. Arrogance. And when you will humble yourself and get rid of pride and arrogance and start asking the Lord this thing right here. Search me, O God. Know me, I pray. Woo. Hey, I'm telling you, I don't believe God can refuse a man that will say, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Hey brother, hey sister, it's not too late. If we will fall at an altar of repentance and fall in love with Jesus, there's still hope. Shout, Amen! If you believe it. Amen. Woo! Let's go back to John chapter three very quickly, if we could. John chapter three, and verse nineteen. Y'all doing okay? Amen. To this condemnation, that light has come to the world, and men loved darkness. It's so crazy to me how you can love darkness but not love truth said, but men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Somebody say unrighteousness. For everyone. Now, people don't like this language. And there's no, there is no hidden mystery in the Greek right here, okay? What it says in the, in the English is what it means. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. I want you to pick up on what I'm telling you right here. This is the proof scripturally. Of that spirit of arrogance. Everyone that doeth evil hates the light. And doesn't come to the light. Somebody help me with this part right here. Ooh. Lest. His deeds. Should be. Reproved. I wish somebody would help me walk through this right here now. I, I, I don't know. How much more clear Jesus could have, have have taught this to us than for us to understand the reason why they're not coming to the light is because they don't want their evil deeds to be reproved. It's like a little old kid. When they stick their hand in the cookie jar, they don't usually stay in the kitchen to eat it. Well if I'm lying I'm dying. When they when they get the cookie and they get what they want they run and hide. So if you feel like you're always hiding do you, do you know what the what the definition of that word uh, what that word reproved means actually literally means exposed. He said they won't come to the light because it will expose their deeds. People that stay in the distance from the church where the light of the word is. And they love that dark fringe where it's just light enough that they can still be counted as a part. So they can still tell people, yeah, 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 I I still go. But they're out there on the fringe. They, they have learned the power of keeping it just dark enough that they don't have to worry about being exposed. I'm going to tell you what we need to do tonight. We need to step out by boldness and walk into the light of the word of God and say, whatever's in me, God, I invite you to expose that in me. I want to do what is right. I plan on falling in love with Jesus and I'm going to love him with all my heart. Does anybody want him to have preeminence tonight? (laughs) Verse 21. But he that doeth. Somebody shout it. This old book is powerful. You hear me tonight. But he that doeth truth. (laughs) I'm not hiding no more. I'm coming to that altar and saying, Pastor, you pray over me tonight, whatever it takes. Whoa. We don't hear that anymore at Pentecost. We really don't. We don't hear that language talked about much anymore. But when I was a boy, we'd, we'd hear that all the time. God, whatever it takes, save my babies. Whatever it takes. I've been praying over some some of you and some of your kids and some of your family. God, whatever it takes, just let the light. Church family, listen, I want to tell you how much he loves you. I know, I know, I know. The picture that we get of this is that the light is stationary and whosoever loves truth and doeth truth, they just come running to the light. But let me just tell you how my weird brain works. Can I do that? When I read this, I get this image, Brother Haney, that's similar to like you would see uh, in, in some kind of a, a, a prison documentary or something. You know, somebody escaped and they got that light out or, or a ship that they're looking for somebody in the water and that light is moving. It's moving. Why does that matter? Because I believe that he's still looking for you. I I don't believe that you've got so carnal. I don't care if you're at home watching tonight and could have been here in church. I don't believe you can get so carnal that he'll ever quit. I don't believe he ever quits. I don't believe he ever stops looking. I don't believe he ever stops searching. Listen, I'm going to tell you the devil is a liar. I don't care if he's told you you've gone too far or not. He don't ever stop looking. He don't ever stop searching. The Bible said your adversary is roaming to and fro. Do you honestly believe that God is going to let the devil roam to and fro? And he's just going to stand there and not look? I say a million times no. I believe that tonight, if you'll just look up, you're going to see that searchlight. The light's still looking. Come on over to the light and let him reprove you. Let him expose it. you got to get it right if you're going to make it. Come to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. I know this is so simple tonight, but I'm telling you, this is some of the most powerful study that I've had in a long time. Right here. God's been dealing with my heart. That you got to stay in love with Jesus. Let me make you a promise the harder you try to stay close to God, the more voices you're going to get that pull you away. And the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, there's going to be more voices, more calls. I don't say this very often tonight, but I believe there's something extremely prophetic to what I'm preaching in here tonight. Somebody in here needs to listen to me. You realize right now that you're a little more cold than you were three months ago. And I'm going to tell you in the Holy Ghost, there's people in here that have walked away from God and got further away from God than they ever dreamed. And they could tell you tonight, it's a fact that if they would have stopped at that point right there where they were a little further than they ever dreamed they were were, or ever could be and just just turn back and catch it now and say, whoa. Whoa. I, 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 I noticed I was a little more... I didn't want to be in the house of God like I used to. I hadn't been praying like I used to. Then stop it right now. Fix it right now. Settle it right now. Don't, don't wait until you're too far gone. Listen, folks. It, this has got to consume your mind tonight. I'm not just here to preach and waste your time. I'm not just here to put my body through this tonight just so I can stand up there and you. oh, pastor, that was a good word. No, no, no. I'm here to preach to you tonight, and I pray that it will echo through the ages of time that somebody is going to backslide and walk away from God five minutes before the trumpet sounds. If you feel yourself slipping away from God, then correct it tonight. Come to the light and let God fix it in your spirit. Don't you wander off and and say I'll make it back someday what if someday never comes I'm going to make you a promise tonight every backslider that stands in eternity that died lost without God died thinking someday I'm going to get back someday I'm going to go back to the house of God let your someday be today and stay in love with Jesus Jesus Let's raise our hands to the Lord. He calamahaya. He shakataya. He kataya and Come on, you know you've been pulled against. You've been pulled away. Woo! Nobody ever walks away from God that they haven't justified every step of the way why they did. Come on, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to you in the Holy Ghost tonight. You don't, nobody walks away from God and doesn't have something they can justify it with every step along the way. Well, we just got busy. The you know, job picked up. I got more hours than I was normally getting. And and and, and I just got cold. I, I I had somebody come to me just the other day. And and they said, they they, they started the conversation. They said, Brother St. Clair, we've just been searching and, and and we've been looking. I could tell their wheels were spinning. And they said, they said, look, I'm just going to be honest with you. They said, when COVID hit, and, and man, they started trying. I could tell their wheels were spinning, Bishop. And finally, they just gave up, and they said, look, I'm going to be honest. We just quit. We blamed it on COVID because we couldn't go, and then we just got more comfortable not going. They said, they said Brother St. Clair, we just, we just gave up. Listen, this is how it works. One day you think, I I probably have missed a lot. And before you know it, before you know it, you look up and you say, I guess I gave up. And somewhere between the distance of where you thought you were okay and where you are now was the point where you gave up. But it's really hard to find. Because there's not a day on the calendar that can ever clearly define in the heart of a backslider that's the day I backslid right there. I know they don't like this kind of preaching anymore. You know, I have guys tell me this all the time. They roll their eyes when I say it, but Brother Shaw's because it's a, it's a slippery slope. When you start preaching about the, why, why don't you guys go to movies? Why don't you guys, you, you, I mean, good, well, it's, it's Slippery Slope. Oh, you and your Slippery Slope doctrine. No, no, no. I don't think you understand how slippery it is. It's, it's literally one day you're on the solid rock, and the next day you're on the slope. One day you're founded and established in the church, and the next day you're looking back and saying, my God, how did I get here? Oh, brothers and sisters. There's something on me on this Wednesday night. I came to this pulpit with a spirit of desperation on me. And I know that I can't make you love him. But I'm pleading with you tonight with every fiber of strength in my body. Stay in love with Jesus. You're going to have excuses to quit. And you're going to get frustrated. And you might even get offended at somebody. But you can't get offended at God. You got to get your heart right with God and stay right with God. I don't know exactly how eternity works. I mean, in our minds, we want to believe that people are, because we we say they're spiritual with the Lord. We want to believe that, kind of, they're in heaven. You know, we we kind of speak that language where tonight they're on streets of gold or whatever. And I, you know, I don't know fully how that works, but I can tell you this: if it's anything like we imagine, and and I don't have time to chase the the, the rabbit trail tonight on on all this. I don't believe that hell is as we think of hell is fully. There yet, I believe there is a there's a place. Of course, there's several different words uh, that are used in the scripture for hell. But just 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 stay with me and let's go with with Gehenna, the lake of fire. Okay, just just walk this path with me tonight. Gehenna, all liars shall have their part in Gehenna, the the lake of fire. This is what we think of when we think of hell, right? Now, whether however you feel about that, but but just walk this path with me tonight. If there is a loved one or a friend or somebody that you know that's in Gehenna. What do you think their one message would be right now? If, If what you think of as a lake of fire exists right now. And they're in it. What do you think they would say to a cold hearted saint right now? And we, we have precedent for this now. I'm not just slinging stuff at. we got precedent for it. Because Jesus, Jesus said there was a rich man and then there was a beggar and it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily a parable although it's parabolic because Jesus uses he uses actual names but this is what he said. He said the rich man died and went to hell. I, I mean, You can say it don't exist, folks, but he said he died and he went to hell. And when he got there, man, I hope y'all feel what I feel right now. It's like, it's just, it's on me heavy tonight. It said when he got there, he opened up his mouth and he said, Could you please go tell my brothers whatever they have to do don't come here? Because I, oh God, am tormented in these flames. Are y'all with me tonight? I am tormented in these flames. But I was a good athlete, and that's what I wanted to do. I'm tormented in these flames. Because that other woman spoke a little more tender to me than my wife. And so I would ask the question tonight to the the rich man in hell. Sir, is it worth it now? Sir, I know you felt like that grass was greener. But I just have to know tonight... As I stand before this body of precious people in the house of God. Sir. Was it worth it? Well I can tell you this preacher. I made more money than I'd ever made. Yeah but that job. Man you missed more church than you'd ever missed. And the question of consequence is not. How much were you worth? Because we know, we know your kids are fighting over that. <laughs> God have mercy. The question is sir. Is it worth the torment of the flames? And I believe he answers that. Because he said, could you please just send somebody that would stick their finger in water and let a drop of water rest on my tongue because I'm tormented. Folks, I wish I could put put icing on this tonight and sweeten this up and make it sound better but i'm just gonna preach it to you straight because i'm your pastor and i love you and i thank god for you and i want every last one of you to go to heaven with me and i'm gonna preach this to you you got one of two choices tonight you either fall in love and stay in love with jesus or you're lost that's it there's no in between And I stand boldly tonight and proclaim That it is heretical It is absolutely a heresy It is not biblical There's nothing in the scripture The canon of the scripture That says there's a place in between That there's a holding cell somewhere That there's a purgatory And that you can make it to purgatory And we'll buy you No brothers and sisters I love you too much to lie to you And I've come to tell you tonight That you're either going to make it Or you're going to miss it But you can't decide When it's too late, I just want to know tonight are you in love with Jesus? Does he still have preeminence in all things? Is he still holding first place in your life? I got so much more I could preach. But I feel something breaking in the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you what the Lord spoke to me. I just, I was, I was going through my old notes today, just things I just crippled, Bishop. And at some point, I'll go back and look, but at some point I wrote this down. Because everybody wants to go to heaven. And I wrote this down. I said, the devil don't have to make you hate heaven. He just has to help you fall in love with this present world. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying to you tonight? You don't have to stop believing in heaven or hell to miss heaven. He don't have to make you hate heaven. He's just got to make you love this world. I wonder tonight, do I really have to give an altar call in here on this Wednesday night? I want to fall in love with Jesus. And I want to stay in love with Jesus. I want to make sure every day of my life. Oh God. The question tonight is, do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love him enough to stay? Do you love him enough to live for him? Hila mo ko shataya. We could go much deeper tonight in the word, but I believe the word is rested on this congregation. Do you love him? Shh. Come on, church family, he don't have to make you hate heaven. This has to make you love this present world. Oh, God. Help us tonight, Lord. God, I've obeyed you tonight. I've obeyed your voice, God. I've obeyed your spirit. Now, Lord, let it rest on this congregation. Let somebody obey you in this room tonight. Pastor, I just feel like I'm in a pit that I can't dig out of tonight. Then let us help you dig out of the pit, but stay in love with Jesus. Oh. Church, I can't get it to lift off of me tonight. I need somebody to respond to the Holy Ghost. Woo. I wish I had answers for you where that line is that you finally cross. But if you feel conviction at all tonight, you need to respond to it. Oh, God. Great God, let him talk to your heart tonight. Let him talk to your heart. I don't want to sound like an imbecile tonight, but I'm pleading with you let please let God deal with your heart right now. Let God deal with your heart tonight. Oh Jesus. Oh Jesus. Church, I'm I'm pleading with somebody in this room. I know I know when you hear me preach like this that you Maybe you think I get some kind of commission when I preach like this. This ain't going to add a dollar to my paycheck. I'm not here tonight for any selfish gain to preach what I'm preaching. Matter of fact, I, I enjoy preaching about revival and harvest. and When God puts something on me like this, it's a call from the portals of heaven to somebody that you better get a hold of this and fall in love with this. Whatever it costs you, it's worth it. Whatever it costs you, it's worth it to live for God. I'm going to reach tonight one more time in the Holy Ghost. And if you let fear or pride or arrogance hold you in your seat, I'm turning you to the Lord tonight. Look, you don't don't have to be a superhero tonight, but I'm just turning you over to the Lord. You can get down and pray at your seat or whatever you feel, but whatever you do, just respond to the Holy Ghost tonight. the church organization that we belong to is not they're they're not going to give me a bonus for preaching this but if you make it to heaven that's all the bonus i need i need somebody to make up their mind they're going to live for god no matter what it costs